All right, we got a lot going on on the platform here. I want to make sure we get everything in position because this is awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Let me put Tim right to work, you know? I think he's, I think he's uh, looking for a job. No, man. I mean, we might have. Anyways, um, no, it's good. Good to have Tim up here. He's checking out his big brother, making sure his big brother's doing all right. Yeah, let's give him a, give him a hand. Um, actually, his parents sent him up to say, go make sure he really has a job. I'm not really sure. And uh, he does. And so it's good. Man, it was great to have the, our boy band up this week. And so you're welcome, Jeff, wherever you're at. Um, so did you get that? Boy band? Jeff? Anyways, Jeff is the gentleman, the sophisticated gentleman that was standing here singing. Anyways, moving on, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8. That's page 1030, if you're using a Bible there in the seats. And uh, Luke's continuing to share with us the investigation that he's had, at least the results of the investigation that he has uh, about Jesus Christ and who he was and what he came to do. And um, in verses uh, 1 through 21 that we're going to cover today, he's going to share with us a couple parables. And then there's this interesting um, response when his mom and brothers show up. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But it's, it, it, we need to understand that Luke's not just um, informing his friend. And again, we know, learned this in chapter 1. He's writing a letter, actually, um, with the results of an investigation. He's writing to a friend of his called Theophilus. Uh, so if you want a name for your child or grandchild, there's a good one. Um, and he's not just talking about what happened in Jesus' life. Um, he's also giving us um, some spiritual truth. God wants him to relay the spiritual truth to us. And so before we get into this, I just want to give you some background information. Um, that's, first of all, we're in chapter 8 of 20-some chapters. And so we're, we're actually about a, a year and a half to two years into Jesus' ministry. You know, Jesus was on the earth for about three years or so, so we're quite a ways through his time on earth. Uh, he'll soon be ending his ministry up in, in Galilee. Galilee is northern uh, Israel. I usually have a map. I just didn't put a map up this week. But in Luke 9, in verse 51, it says that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. So what's going to happen after that is his, on his way down to Jerusalem and in Jerusalem. And so that part takes up a long section of his investigation. Um, and so then he's also telling us that there's some women... Um, in verses 1 through 3, he's telling us that there's some women who uh, were helping Jesus. He names uh, three of them, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Um, and so I'm, I'm always tempted to start saying, oh, Susanna, what you know? Um, but I'm not going to. Uh, my notes said don't do that, and I still did it. But anyways, um, so, so those three, but there's others that were supporting Jesus and the disciples and financially supporting him, helping them through with their ministry, which is pretty awesome. He also tells us that there was a, a, a massive number of people who were following Jesus, and this would happen from time to time. After Jesus' teaching, after his healing people, after raising people from the dead, he would have a bunch of people following him, and then he would give some teaching, like he does today, and he's going to challenge those people, and it actually shrinks down the, the number of people following him because they find out, okay, Jesus is not who we thought he was and what we wanted him to be. Uh, but Jesus isn't about popularity. He, he's about getting his message out to us, to the people of his day, and through these writings for us to understand. And his message is this. He talks about the kingdom of God. 
Now, we don't talk a lot about kingdoms today. We talk about countries, we talk about you know, presidents and prime ministers, and yeah, we talk, there might be some kings around, but they, you know, who are they? But back then, everything was a kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, hey, there is such a thing called a kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is filled with people who understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. And so understanding that, they say, God, please forgive me of my sins. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to take my eternal judgment in hell for me. And because of that, I ask you to forgive my sins. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. At that moment in time, that instant that that happens, a person's honestly asking God for forgiveness and wants to come into a relationship with him. Then what happens is the Bible tells us that God the Holy Spirit is given to that person. And then God the Holy Spirit helps us understand God's Word. He connects us in with other of God's family, the church, and then takes us through this life, helps us do the things that God wants us to do and work through the issues that we have to work through. And then when we die, He takes us to heaven. So all that wrapped into kingdom of God. So that's what Jesus wants us to understand. That's why He came. And so He often uses parables. And a parable is just a, a story that tells a biblical truth. And so we have two of those today. But before we get into it, let me just ask you a couple true-false questions. You're like, I didn't think I was coming to school. Don't worry, I'm not going to grade you on these. But true or false, actions speak louder than words. What do you think? True? Everybody kind of, pretty much everybody kind of believes our actions will speak louder than words. Like if I said, hey, it's important uh, to eat right and exercise, you'd be like, no, Harold, you don't really believe that. I can see it on your body that you don't believe, all right? So, but our actions do speak louder than our words. Our actions say more about what we believe than our words, true or false? True. So actions are really, in a lot of ways, everything showing what we truly believe. And so the question this morning is, if people were to be able to hang out with you 24-7, 365, what would your life or what would my life say about what we believe about who God is, who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do for us? Today, Jesus is going to challenge his audience, which includes us today, to evaluate our lives, to evaluate our actions, how we think about life, how we respond to life, the things that we do in our lives, and say, are we really right with God? Do we really have this relationship? Are we part of this kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about? So the first parable starts in verse 4, and it says this, the sower went out to the sea, uh, out to sow his seed. Now, I, mean, I have to explain what's going on, because here we have, you know, big old combines and cedars and stuff, and they do all the work. Back then, what would happen is, the guy who's going to go plant the field would just take his seed, and he would just throw it everywhere. You know, just, and wherever it landed, it landed, you know. And so, it didn't matter where he's throwing it, he's just throwing it everywhere, all right? And wherever it lands, it lands. Well, back then, they just had big old fields. We got a custodian now, <laughs> so he's got some work this week. Anyways, um, we don't have volunteers. Um, so anyways, what would happen is they hit this big old field. And with the, the field, uh, 
they didn't have like city planners back. You know, now we have city planners. They put sidewalks in where sidewalks are supposed to be, roads in where roads are supposed to be. Back then, they didn't have that. So people would walk wherever they're walking, and, and that whatever the fastest way was to go from point A to point B, they would take it, and they would just walk right through somebody's field. And it was okay. Everybody understood as part of their culture. And so as people did that, they realized, hey, this is the fastest way. And so they would begin to walk over that path back and forth, back and forth, and more and more people back and forth. And pretty soon we understand what happens to dirt, right? It gets compacted. And then around the edges of the field, they didn't do what we do up here by clearing everything. They, they would allow rocks to be there, and they would allow thorny uh, bushes and stuff to be there. And so that's what you have in your mind as we're reading through this. So the sower, he's just throwing seed wherever. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road. Some, again, it was kind of like brick. It was kind of like concrete. It was so hard. And it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the ear ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil. So it's got rocks. It's got some soil underneath it, but most of it is rock. All right. And so as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed fell into good soil. And what he's saying here is soil that's prepared, soil that's receptive, soil that wants to have the seed and help the seed grow. And it grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's saying, hey, listen, everybody understand what I'm saying. You have ears. You have two of them. Use them. Understand what I'm saying through these parables. The disciples, who are obviously people who want to understand, because they're going to be asking questions, they began questioning him. as said, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now let me just explain this real quick. The mysteries, it's not some sort of riddle, you know, or something for just the, uh, the few people who can understand. Mysteries is just this. There's some teaching in the Old Testament that wasn't really clear or wasn't really revealed fully that then becomes more fully understood in the New Testament. And there's several different things, but primarily what we're talking about today is in the Old Testament, the Old Testament talked about the Messiah, which we've been talking about. And the Messiah was going to come and he's going to free up Israel and actually give a blessing to all, uh, all people. And so this guy was going to come and he was going to come and do certain things and certain people were going to respond in certain ways to him and here's everything that's going to be happening. But what's revealed, that mystery, what was revealed is that Messiah is Jesus Christ. And so that's the mystery revealed about the kingdom of God, and therefore salvation is through faith in Jesus. All right, moving on. But to the rest, it is in parables. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So this comes out of Isaiah, which is an Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus' time. And what Isaiah is saying, when the Messiah shows up, people are not going to be willing to hear and understand. They're not going to be willing to, they don't care about the Messiah, they don't want to hear what he has to say, and so they're going to reject it. And that's just basically what he's saying there. And this is proof of it, because people are not um, believing him. But Jesus wants everyone to understand, all right? So he's going to explain the parable. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The word of God is everything we have in the Bible, but specifically within the word of God is the word of God of the gospel. That a person is saved from sin and hell when their sins are forgiven by God, when they place their faith 
in Jesus Christ. That's what we call the gospel, the good news. We don't have to go to hell. We can have God in our lives in this life and go with him in the next. So those besides the road are those who have heard. So they've heard this message. Then the devil comes along, takes away the word from their heart, so they will not believe. Again, talking about the gospel, and be saved. They, they won't be saved from their sin or saved from hell. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And so this sounds good, right? They, they're excited. They're, they're, wow, this is awesome. God loves me. God cares about me. God wants to forgive me. And, and so they're excited. They're emotionally drawn in. The end could be but, because but these have no firm root. In other words, it didn't stick. It, it didn't penetrate through into the dirt. They're, it's an emotional-based response. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, this means to try to make someone disobey, so they could come from within themselves or from other people tempting them, they fall away. They, they walk away from what they say they believe. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, as they go back to life, they are choked. And that word literally means to stop something from growing. So if you take somebody's around their neck, they're going to stop them from living, um, and therefore stop them from growing. But they're being choked by worries, by riches, and pleasures. And pleasures is, we get our word hedonism from that, which means self-satisfaction is number one. So they're all really about what makes them feel good, what they want to do. Not despite what God says, they want to do whatever it is that they want to do because that's what they want to do. And so all these things of life and bring no fruit to maturity. There's no lasting spiritual growth. But the seed in the good soil, this receptive soil, these are the ones who have heard the word. And an honest, in other words, agreeable to the message, and good means prepared, so a prepared heart, and hold it fast. In other words, they hold it with conviction. They, they faithfully hang on to the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and that they are now in relationship with God through faith in Christ and they bear fruit. They show spiritual growth, inner growth with their attitude and their thinking and then that flows out into their life and they do this with perseverance. They... They handle the weight of temptations. They handle the weight of being drawn to do life the way they used to do it. And so let's, let me, there's a bunch in here. So let me just kind of first uh, look at the parts of the parable, and then we want to dig into the soils a little bit here. That was a joke. Dig into the soils. Anyway, so we have the seed. So again, the seed is the word, or specifically the gospel. It's salvation. Um, is based on faith in Christ, what he's done for us on the cross, and that's how we gain um, a relationship with God and to know for sure we're going to heaven when we die. The sower, specifically, is Jesus. So Jesus is going around. He's throwing out his message wherever he goes, right? But it's also us, we who have placed our faith in Christ, because Jesus, when he left, he said, hey, I want you to go and make disciples. And part of the going and making disciples is go actually means as you go, as you live your life, make disciples. So as you go through life, just throw the seed of the gospel with your actions, with your words. Show people who Christ is through who you are and how you're living like Christ. And then the soils are the hearts of the people, uh, those who respond to that. So let's break down these uh, soils a little bit. So the ones, <clears throat> excuse me, beside the road, they have hard hearts. 
Uh, these are the people who are going to reject the gospel. And, and so, so there you can kind of envision a person who's been, you know, trampled by life. Life has just crushed them. They've had one bad experience after another bad experience through their choices and choices of others, and they are just pushed down, and they're just struggling. And, and maybe they don't even believe there's a God. Because of that, they don't believe there's a God. And so they think that if there is such a thing as salvation, that they've got to figure it out, and they're going to go ahead and figure it out, and, and they'll be good to go. Or if they don't even believe there's a God, maybe they believe it's evolution, and so they're going to be like, well, I'm just going to go back and die, go into the ground, and become food for the next evolutionary set of, of processes. Sadly, some think that they're too bad to be forgiven. They've messed up too much. We talked about this last week. And so they, they just figure, well, God's not going to forgive them. And they just kind of leave it at that. It's what they think, and so that's what they're going to go with. So this person <clears throat> is not saved. They have not entered the kingdom of God. They have not placed their faith in Christ. They've rejected God's offer of forgiveness and relationship. Then there's the rocky soil. This is the person who has an emotional heart or an emotional response to the gospel. But it's not, it's more feelings than it is faith. Usually this person is also kind of going through difficulty in life and life has become overwhelming. And uh, you or I, we share with them that God loves them and that God's offering to forgive them of their sins and he's offering to help them through this life and take them into heaven one day. And they're loving that part. There's somebody who's going to help me in this life. There's somebody who's going to get me through my life, my struggles, my issues. And so they're excited about that. They're excited that God loves them. They're excited about God will forgive them, though they may not really understand what that is and that he's going to help them. And they may even do some Christian things, attend church for a while anyways, and maybe read the Bible for a while anyways. But then, then they're tempted. Um, how they used to think keeps coming back to their minds. Or how they used to respond, they, they want to respond that way. The, the, way that, the things that God has forgiven them for, they feel like, no, I need to, to keep doing that. I'm being drawn back into that. Or other people like, what in the world? You're going to church? You're getting religious? You're reading the Bible? You a freak? You got to come back with us. You got to do what we're doing. Remember the good times we're having. And so because of that, because it's feelings and not true faith, they go back to that life. And so this person is not somebody who is saved. Again, this, these can happen in a short period of time. <clears throat> these can happen over a, a long period of time. But what we find out is that person's not truly saved. They haven't truly placed their faith in Christ. They're not part of the kingdom of God. Well, what about the seed going into the thorns? Now, this, one's, this one gets people like debating on this one, right? So these are people who have a distracted heart. They, they're living life, now that they've placed their faith in Christ, supposedly. They're doing things that Christians do, that believers do. But at the same time, they're still doing what they did before they came to Christ. And that's why he says that the seed and the thorns grew up together. And it's not like, I don't really want to do these things. They're like, no, I'm going to go ahead and keep doing these things, and I'm going to also do these things, and God's going to be okay with that. Well, what we're learning from this parable is God's not okay with that. And so they're serving two masters. They're serving God, and they're serving themselves. And they'll rationalize, and they'll give excuses, and they'll tell you a big old story why they can continue doing the things that Jesus actually died for. But it's still not salvation so, 
again, the question is, is this person saved or not? There's no spiritual impact. There's no spiritual growth, really. And so that's the problem. It's hard to say if that person truly placed their faith in Christ or not. Because, yeah, they're doing this. Man, they're here at church, and they're coming to Bible study, and they're reading their Bible, and they even, like, talk kind of spiritual. But then over here, they're still doing all the stuff that they did before. The stuff that God's Word, you know, it says that's not the way to go in life. That's not the best way to live life. That's sinning, and they want to keep doing it. The, the problem with this is that the person is never confident. They're never really sure. They're like, there's always a doubt in their heart because, yeah, well, I prayed that prayer, but, and I'm trying it, but then I also kind of like doing this stuff over here. God knows, and it's not really for us to say as believers, it's, but God knows, and hopefully the person today, if that's you, they'll get that nailed down. And then there's the good soil, the committed heart. The heart that produces spiritual growth. It's a person who professes faith in Jesus, and then they show that faith through how they live life. The, the changed thinking over time, the changed responses to life over time as they learn more about who Jesus is and what Jesus wants for them. They, they hold fast. This is a present tense active voice, which means it's continual. Day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what they face, they make a choice of the will to believe the gospel that Jesus died for their sins, and then they live out the life that God's called them to live. They do it with perseverance. In other words, they face life's challenges the way Christ says to do it. So, like the rocky soil, they are tempted to go back to their old life and they eventually give in, and they go back to their old life. But a person who has the good soil, a person who has the receptive heart, a person who has placed their faith in Christ, they're tempted to go back to the old life, but they're like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay focused on the fact that Jesus saved me from those sins, and so I'm not going to go back and do that kind of life. I'm going to do the life that God wants me. I'm going to think the way Christ wants me to think. I'm going to live the way he wants me to live. Or the thorny soil, those who are comfortable with living two lives, the, the good soil, the person who's placed their faith in Christ, says, no, I, I can't do that. I can't be good with that. I need to put that out, and I need to continue to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. It's not that this person is perfect or ever becomes perfect, except when we get to heaven, of course. But they grow out of doing life their way, and they grow into doing life God's way. It's this process of growth. Well, before giving the explanation of the parable, Jesus gave a challenge, which we read about. He says, He or she who hears, or has ears to hear, let him or her hear. So he's challenging us, you and me, today, as we sit here, to evaluate our hearts. So which soil are you? As you sit here this morning, are you the, the hardened soil? The one that's been trampled by life and you've continually rejected this God's offer to forgive you of your sins and enter into a relationship with you and be with you through this life and take you to heaven one day so you wouldn't have to experience hell. Is that you? Or, or maybe, maybe you're the rocky soil. And you're like, yeah, I just, you know, Jesus, man, I just love Jesus. And it's all about this, you know, this feeling and, and, and there's not really a whole lot of commitment to it. It's just this feeling. 
Or, or maybe you're the person who's fine with doing life God's way and your way, serving two masters. And our prayer is that all of us, as we leave here today, we would be the good soil. Many, maybe most of us in this room have done that. We're already the, we've already had receptive hearts to what God's offered to us, but others, if they haven't done that, we had one in our 9 o'clock service who made that decision to trust Christ. So what does your life show? What are people seeing? What are your actions saying about what's true, about what you believe, about Jesus, and about God? Well, after the explanation, he goes into this parable of the lamp. He says, now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be, uh, be known and come to the light. So take care how you listen. It's the same word as here. He just used a different word when he translated it to English. It's the same word. So take care how you're hearing. How are you hearing this? For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. So most scholars would say that, um, that the lamp is actually talking about the mysteries of the Old Testament that are being revealed. The lamp is lit and revealed in the New Testament. And I, you know, if anybody believes that, I'm not going to argue with them about that. But I, 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 um, I would have to think that it maybe is not that. I think there's, there's a connection here to the soils more than the mysteries. He spends more time on the soils than he does on the mysteries. And so I think this has to do with our lives. And so the key here is that Jesus again says, be careful how you listen, how you hear, how you respond to the gospel. And I think what he's saying here is, first of all, the lamp is our life. We can't hide our actions. Everybody sees us living life. And we can maybe even you know, hide something for a while, but it's going to come to light eventually. My mom always said, be careful, your sins will find you out. And so I live my life fearful all the time. Oh no, she's going to find out that I stole those cookies, you know. But our lives are seen. It's like a lamp. We live life in front of people. And our actions speak louder than words. And so his point, when he says nothing is hidden that won't be revealed, is that we need to, we need to evaluate our response based on this parable. What kind of soil do people see us to be? What kind of soil do we understand ourselves to be? What is our life showing? Do your actions, your life choices, the way you think, the way you respond, what is it saying about your response to the gospel? And ultimately, when a person dies, that, that soil, that heart, is going to be revealed as they stand before God. But here's the great news. You're here this morning. You're not dead yet. All right, all right. Okay. So we're all breathing, as far as I can tell. Some of you are, are asleep, but that's fine. You're still here. So you still have the opportunity to show that you have the good soil, that you have a receptive heart to what God is offering. And so that's why Jesus gives us warning to don't miss out on salvation. Make sure you understand what you're hearing. He says, whoever has. If, so those of us who are the good soil, that we've received salvation... More will be given. In other words, for us who say 
God, we want you to forgive us our sins. We want a relationship with you. As we get to know him, as we spend time in his word, as we spend time with his church family, his spiritual family, what we call the church, as we go through difficulties in life, as we see God working and we understand how God works, then we're going to know more about who God is. We're going to trust him more. We're going to take those steps of faith and see God to be faithful, and we're going to trust him more and even more and more. And so there's going to be spiritual understanding and growth. But whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken. What's he talking about there? Well, if it's a Rocky Road person, which is great ice cream, by the way, but I mean, if it's, uh, I jumped ahead of myself because I was thinking Rocky Road, but um, if it's the road person who's been rejecting, they may think, well, I can handle salvation. I can take care of myself. I can do what I need to do. The problem is when they die and they face God, they're going to realize they were wrong. What they thought they had, salvation however they thought it, it would be taken from them because salvation is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Then there's the, the rocky soil. Now I'm back to my ice cream. It, it may feel like I'm saved. I just feel like I am. Well, if you're not truly saved... That's going to be evident by how you respond to temptation and whether you go back to your old life or not. But if you think salvation is just a feeling, then you're in danger of standing before the Lord one of these days, and that's not what salvation is. Salvation is faith in Christ, what Christ has done, the confidence of what he's done in our lives. Or if it's a thorny soil, and you're okay with doing life God's way and your way, and you're good with that, the danger there is that you're not truly saved because you're okay with this. And somebody who has God's Holy Spirit in them won't be okay with this. And so you may come to the end of your life and find out that what I thought was salvation is taken away because it's salvation through faith in Christ. And then that salvation does something. It actually brings growth in a person's life. So how can a person be certain? How can we leave here this morning going, yeah, no, I know that I'm saved, I've been forgiven, I'm part of the kingdom of God, and, and I know it. How can we know it? That's when Luke uses this arrival of Jesus' mother and brothers. It's pretty interesting. It says this, And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. Is this how many people were there? They just couldn't get to him. So they said, hey, some of them know we're here. So it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. Look at Jesus' response. This should shock us. Imagine you telling your mother this. <laughs> but he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. His mother and his brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, I could spend an hour on just this verse talking about the relationship between Jesus and Mary. Because there's people today who teach that they're both in heaven today, which they are, and, but then Mary tells Jesus what needs to be done. And so you pray to Mary, you talk to Mary, and Mary will tell Jesus what needs to be done. The problem is, several times when Jesus was on the earth, interacted with Mary, and he puts her on the same level as human beings as the rest of us, as all of us other sinners. That Mary isn't some perfect human being 
that she is like everybody else, a sinner who needed to place her trust in her own son, Jesus, for her salvation. But again, we won't get into all that. I could show you other passages of Scripture. But here he puts her on the same. But Jesus' response is less about Mary and the brothers. It's more about this, this deep spiritual connection that we can have with God. This spiritual, think about this, a spiritual family relationship with Jesus Christ. How awesome would that be? To be able to be called Jesus' sisters and brothers. That would be awesome. To be able to call God your father. So it's crucial that we understand what hear the word of God is and what do the word of God is. So I'm going to jump over to a a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus. We call it the book of Ephesians. And he writes in three verses... He explains this, I think, probably better than any other passage that I can think of. And so I want to look at that this morning, because we've got to be certain of this, right? So, for by grace, in the Greek, is charis, it means a gift. So, uh, if I gave you a gift, you wouldn't give me money, because then you're purchasing it. If I gave you a gift, you wouldn't wash my car. You can wash my car if you'd like, but, you know, if you did that, now you're working for my gift. A gift is a gift. You don't do anything for it, it's given to you freely. So for by grace, you've been saved, saved from sin, saved from hell. And that's through faith. That Greek word means trusting the word of another. And in this case, we're going to trust the word of God and what he says about what salvation is. I get it. We've been taught a lot of things in our past about what salvation is or what salvation should be or how you gain salvation, how you earn God's approval. I get it. There's a lot of teaching out there about that. But what matters is what God says salvation is. And we have the Bible to tell us. And then that, that, not of yourselves. This faith is not even of yourselves. It is a gift from God. So even the faith that we put in Jesus is a gift that God gives us. Not as a result of works. So again, whatever good thing you think you can do to earn God's approval, it's not on the basis of that, so that no one, will, uh, no one may boast. So in other words... God's not wanting people to come up to heaven going, how's it going? Yeah, I got here on myself. I did, I did a lot of good things down there. And so God let me in. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about us. It's about what God has done for us through Christ. So what about the good works? For we, those of us who have trusted what God says about salvation, are his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. You think your life's a mess? God wants to turn it into a masterpiece. Isn't that awesome? Created where? In Christ Jesus. In other words, through salvation. Why? Here they are. Four good works, which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. So good works don't make us right with God. Good works are things that show that we are right with God, that we already have a relationship with him that we're part of the kingdom of God, that we're part of the family of God, that we look like our heavenly father. We look like our brother, Jesus Christ. We live life the way they lived life. So only those who hear the word of God and do it are Jesus' family, are part of the kingdom of God, part of the family of God. Hear the word. Now we're talking about specifically the gospel. So we trust what God says about what salvation is. So here's the good news. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. And that's awesome news. Because if it was us, 
we would never know for sure if we've ever done enough good stuff. Why? Because we know what we think. We know every bad thought we've ever had. We know the attitude that we have as we're driving around town or working with our coworkers and they're messing up or our bosses who are bosses and we have this attitude against them and we know the things that we've done and how in the world can you take all that and do something good enough to wipe that away? We're just constantly not sure if we'll ever find heaven. So it's God who saves us and he does that when he forgives us. And he forgives you when you believe that Jesus died in your place, that Jesus took your punishment in hell. And when you believe, then you become his masterpiece. Then others can see your actions and they're going to point and say, who created that? Isn't that what a masterpiece is? You have this artwork, painting, or a sculpture, or my dad was a phenomenal woodworker. And so anytime I show somebody from my house, I say, look at this. I'm like, man, who made that? Who's the creator of that? When we look at a sculpture, who made that? When people see our lives as we do life the way God wants us to do it, they're going to like, wow, how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? We point people to Christ. And that's where the doing the Word of God comes in. It only happens after we've placed our faith in Christ, only after we have a relationship with Him. See, doing is not for salvation, it's because of salvation. Doing shows that God has forgiven and He's changed us. The doing are the new ways of thinking, are the new ways of responding to life, not continuing to do our old way, We've been forgiven of that. We don't need to go back to that. We need to do it the way God says it. This is the best way of life, how God thinks and how he wants us to respond. The doing shows that we are God's masterpiece, that we are part of his family, that we're a child of God, that we're a brother of Christ or a sister of Christ, that we've been adopted into his family through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your actions are speaking louder than your words. And what are they saying? What kind of soil are you? What have you done with the gospel as it's been presented to you even this morning? As our takeaways this morning, I just want to challenge those of you who are like, you know, actually I kind of think I'm one of the first three soils. I'm somewhere in there. I, I've rejected him or, or I, I maybe prayed a prayer in the past, and, but it's kind of feel like it was based more on an emotion and haven't really followed up with that. Or yeah, I'm actually doing you know, trying to live two lives at one time, serving two masters. Let's make today, this morning, the morning that you know that you certainly have been forgiven by God. Let's make this morning where you go, no, I have a good heart in the sense that, or a good soil, in the sense that I have a prepared, I've prepared myself. I want God's forgiveness. And it's simply admitting that you've sinned, that you've done something wrong, and we've all done that. We've all sinned. And then this believing, putting your full weight of trust that what God says salvation is, okay, that's what it is, not what I thought it was, that's what it is. And then ask God to forgive you of your sin. So I'd like to do this morning, if you just go ahead and close your eyes. And, um, I did this last night, I did this this morning at the 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock someone made this decision to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so I want to do that again. And, and so if that's you, if you're one of these three soils and you want today to be the day that you know that for sure that you've 
placed your faith in Christ, that you're a child of God, part of his kingdom, then just have this conversation with God. Just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I'm separated from you, that I deserve hell. But I believe, I am trusting what you said about what Jesus did, that he died on the cross and took my judgment, my eternity in hell for me. I'm telling you that I believe that. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness. I just keep your eyes closed. If that's you, I'm not saying you prayed a prayer in the past about having God help you through a difficult time or having God help you get healed of something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this prayer right here, right now, where you've confessed your sin, that you want God to forgive you of your sin. If you've prayed that prayer, just raise your hand real quick and let me know. Um, Thank you. See that hand. Thanks. 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 Anybody else? Heavenly Father, I just want to quickly pray for those that raise their hand. Uh, Lord, I, I don't know their hearts, but your word says in Romans, it says that the Holy Spirit confirms with our spirit whether we're a child of God. And so I pray, Father, for those that indicated salvation, that you would confirm that to their heart. That they would know it, not based on their emotion, not based on anything, but based on purely on what you say, trusting the truth of your word. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory as they grow and as they show more and more about who you are, the masterpiece that you've made them. Praise things in Christ's name. Amen. And lastly, one other takeaway. So for those of us who have made a decision and those who indicated salvation this morning, right here, right now, what do we do? What what are the works that God has called us to do? Well, here's five commands that the Bible gives us. And I put these five commands up because these are, uh, well, they're commands from God to do this, but they are for uh, a married person, for a single person, for a, a guy, for a woman, for a single person. Did I say that? Um, you know, whatever. Everybody can do this. A child, an adult. Everything else flows out of these five things. And so the first thing is you need to be spending time with God daily in His Word, reading the Bible and praying. And if you need help with that, we've got classes for that. We've got some books that you can read to help you do that. In fact, those who have indicated salvation, I'm going to be back at a cafe, and uh, feel free to come back there, and I've got a little bit, a little booklet thing for you uh, to help you with that. Uh, connecting with your church family. Those of you who have placed your faith in Christ, you are now part of God's family, his spiritual family, the church. And so to connect with them, God commands us to do that on a weekly basis. So we have Sunday mornings, we have Wednesday nights, we meet other times for classes and stuff to help people understand how to grow in a relationship. Giving cheerfully and sacrificially to his church family. God commands all those who are followers of his to take some of what God has given us and we give it to the church family so that we can continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. Serving your church family. Find a place where you can serve other people in the ministry and what we do. And if you're part of a Grace Point church, then find a place here to do that. We've got a serve class. I've been forgetting the, this Saturday. We have the serve class, which helps you understand how to serve and where to serve in our church. Uh, you can sign up for the Church Center app and Ohio Grace events. And then sharing Jesus' message. Being the sower. Do I have to do it again? You guys getting it? So as you guys go... And as you leave here, you're going to be sharing the gospel with what you say and how you act 
and Cole's really going to kill me because he's got to clean all this up. <laughs> Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray that uh, these words from Jesus would truly encourage our hearts and strengthen our hearts and challenge us, convict us if it needs to be convicted. Lord, I thank you for those that have indicated salvation this morning. Again, Lord, I pray you just confirm that in their hearts that they would be able to step through the uncertainty of what that looks like and what you've called them to do, that they would realize this is a good life that you've given them. You want to make their lives a masterpiece of what you can do to transform lives and they will be able to draw others to you and that those people can know that they have a relationship with God, that God will be that with them in their lives, that they would spend, they'll spend eternity with them when they die. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. We'll see you there Wednesday night or next week.